Welcome to the Mikvah.org podcast. Since 5735-1975, Mikvah.org has been providing tremendous resources for women across the globe in Taras Mishpacha. Now we present to you a podcast specifically for singles, bringing you all the curated topics as you prepare for your future role as a Kara Sabayas. Welcome, everybody. We are so very happy and excited to be here today. I'm Yehudas Fluming, and I'm so glad to have with us um, two very special Kala teachers, Ruthie Sperlin and Ahuva Fogelman, who's also a party planner as well. Um, tonight's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get to hear um, insight at, as to how to make our wedding night the most memorable, our wedding the most memorable. And uh, sorry, I don't want to mislead anyone in today's conversation. Um, and there's so, you know, it, when it comes to the wedding, there's so much um, excitement, stress, anxiety, so much emotions that get mixed in together as one. So the hope is today that we can hear while we're not in that stress mode, so to say, um, when we're still single. And I want to give you all a bracha for all the single girls that are out there who are looking to get married, that it should come very easily and it should come at the right time and it should come swiftly and you should all have revealed brachas and mirz Hashem. And uh, this, um, this podcast today should be coming into fruition and it should be very practical for you very soon because the discussion today is how to make your wedding the most memorable. So with that, I'm going to ask you guys some questions and, um, you know, you guys can gang gang um, who wants to answer first. You both can answer the same question. Both of you, I'm sure, are going to have your own perspectives. And um, we're really excited to hear tonight. And I'm really looking forward. Um, I know that, you know, even though my wedding was 20 years ago, but it's very exciting to every time I see a wedding, every time I see pictures of a wedding online, there's always obviously this, you know, this this excitement, this newness, this um, the, the something very special. And so um, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So ladies, question for you. We know that the wedding night is, um, there's so much happening and we want to balance everything to do it right. Um, especially, you know, in the from community, um, you know, sadly in the secular world, the divorce rate um, is over 50%. So that means that for every person who prepared their marriage and put hundreds of thousands of dollars and made destination weddings in Mexico and wherever else they're going, statistically, literally 50% of them, um, that money went to the garbage because that marriage didn't actually last. But thank God, um, our statistics are way higher. And of course, there's always the exception and Hashem should bless any of those who need that help. But in general, when we have a, a, a wedding, we, you know, wish the chasen kala binyan adiyad and an everlasting edifice. And there's one wedding, Rosh Hashem, that takes place and we want to do it right. So Ruthie and Ahuva, um, maybe you could give us some guidance as to how to balance making sure that we're getting all the gashmis part of the, red, of the wedding together and making sure that everything's in place and to ensure that Baruchnius, we put everything in, you know, in the proper motion. We did everything that we have to do so that by the time we come to the wedding, we really have this unbelievable balance of the Gashmius and the Ruchnius. And it's, and it's a rocking wedding that we look back and we're like happy that we made it happen this way. Over to you guys. <laughs> um, who should start? Can we just start over? Ruthie, start. Okay. So, so usually they say the only one first. Now go fight for that. Um, no, because I think that, that, that Ahuva and I are actually the perfect yin and yang, so to speak, that we, Ahuva really does deal with a lot of the physical parts of the wedding. Um, and, um, and she also does a spiritual as a college teacher. 
I think that it, I think that it, it's a mindset. I think that when we get engaged and we work through our engagement, we're doing all these things while we're engaged. There is a mindset that we want to have about what we want our wedding day to look like on a practical party planning level and on a practical, on a ruchniistical level. And, and I think, you know, when I was thinking about doing this class today, I really, I had a lot of like, you know, thoughts coming my way about how, what's the bottom line message that I, one of the bottom line messages that I really want to give over. And as somebody who, who, okay, I love weddings. I love dancing. I love pictures. I love parties. Um, I think that we've kind of, it's very easy to become absorbed in the physical gashmius aspect of your day. Of course it is. You want to look beautiful. You want your hair to look beautiful. You want your gown to look beautiful. You want your, your pictures to look beautiful. You want everything to just be beautiful on the physical side. And I think if there was one mind shift that I would want to kind of give over, and while I was preparing for this, I heard it over and over again, is that really, truly, all the brachas for your future come down to you and your chassan on the day of your wedding. If we really, truly grasp that, and I know that it's hard because it doesn't mean that you have to put aside the gashmias, but if we really, truly just shift our mindset just a little bit, it will, it can make your personal preparations, ruchnius wise, give it a different light and give it a different, when you're trying to make a decision about, about um, the music that you're going to play, or we're going to talk about that a little bit later, probably, or all of those decisions, when you really, really talk about, I want to make, I'm really setting up my future. That is the that mind. Shift. That's the mind shift I want to try to give over. The, like, not saying the physical isn't important. It's totally important. Like I said, it's one of my, you know, I, I love a good wedding. I love any wedding. But really, really shifting your mind and what could I do to make that happen? You know, from, from my taking my college classes and taking them seriously and really understanding and reading, if I have time to read books, if reading books isn't your thing, watching a podcast, you know, getting yourself in that space of understanding what really, I mean, it's two halves of one neshama coming together, reuniting on this day. It's, it's a simcha for Klal Yisrael, but it's also a simcha for you. I mean, I guess I'll start with that and then we could bounce off of that. Ahuva, what about you? No, you keep going. You're good. No, I, I'm talking about the, like, just on a, on a, on a bait and then take all these things that are important, you know? Right. So and, once and, you take the things that are important, then you come to me, who's the coordinator, and we try to make that your day run smoothly from when you wake up in the morning, incorporating all of the ruchnias together with the gashmias. So when I do the wedding, there will always be time for mincha. It's not on the kala's head because it's in the schedule that there's a time for her to say mincha. There's always in the schedule timing for Tehillim. If the kala wants more, we give more. I always remind the kala, if we're going somewhere for pictures, take your Tehillim with you so that the Tehillim is there. So you have the 15 minutes in the car, then you can say your Tehillim then. So there's always a time to be able to incorporate as long as there's a want and there's an open communication as to what to bring into the wedding. I think it's really, it's that, that's a really cool balance to get a party planner that's a college teacher who's 
in her uh, in her schedule. Like this is, you know, that, that's that's a really awesome combination. You know, like hey, your mincha time. Don't yes. forget. Um, that's that's really that's that's amazing. Um, what about um, you know? What do you think the involvement of a kala should be when it comes to the preparation of her wedding? There's so many details and obviously the kala like on her personal things on her gown and those things that she wants to be exactly how she likes it. But what about, you know, the flowers and the decor and the colors and how much do you think she should be involved if she should or, you know, yeah. So that one. So what I when I start out my first class when I talk into I think it has a lot to do with has a couple of factors. Do your parents live? Are your parents living in the area where your wedding is? You know, are you getting married out of town? Are you getting married in Crown Heights? And your parents live out of town, and you're getting married in Crown Heights. Um, I think it has to do with age. Like you, you know, the older you are, the more involved kind of you want to be in all the details, and that's fine. The truth is, though, when I sit down at my first class, one of the first things I ask them is, "How involved are you?" And um, and it's also has to do with your personality. But I'm always very gratified to hear a kala that says, you know, I'm taking care of my things. And I just told my mother what I absolutely don't want. You know, like I don't want yellow carnations and then I'm good, you know? Um, and I, I have this thing with yellow carnations. Um, I, be involved, like I said, I tell them, your shaitel, your, you know, your gown, your apartment, just so obviously. And then, you know, just let it go. Give it over, Work, worry about yourself in a non-selfish way. Worry about your spiritual growth. Worry about, you know, do your kala classes. If, now, if you, on the, unfortunately, not everybody has that. Some girls have to be involved. They don't have a choice. You know, I just, I listened today to the podcast I did with Mrs. Morozov, similar to this. And we did it literally in the middle of COVID in May. And, and half the message, messages we were giving were completely different. You didn't have a choice. Your parents weren't even here. You have to do everything yourself. So if you can give it over and if you can delegate, I think it's amazing. And if you can't um, delegate to the best of your ability, friends, family, um, your level of stress is very high at this time. It really is. And that's normal. And you want to try to delegate and work, and work on the things that, that affect you the most. Beautiful. Huva, anything to add? No, Ruthie got it. <laughs> And if you have a party planner, and if you have a party planner, it makes everything easier. Yeah. Yeah. So so there, okay. So I will add something there. There were times um, in the past that the Kala's from is in Crown Heights. The wedding will be in Crown Heights and her mother's not. And the one week that the mother came in, she tried to get as much done as she could. And then I was brought in to like be the in-between, be like the mother when I needed to go to meetings so that it didn't fall on the collar. Decisions that instead of calling the collar, do you want A or B, I would go down and I would be, um, let's say um, videoing with the mother so that instead of involving the collar to have to sit there for the 20 minutes, I would be there and I would help facilitate. What is uh, what is the role of a party planner? Is it the actual night or is it all the preparations leading so up to there as well? There's a difference between a party planner and a wedding coordinator. A party planner is one that plans the um, details, the the um, the party details, meaning your tablecloths, your place settings, your floral arrangements, the layout of the room. That's a party planner. What I do is I coordinate everything together. So I take all the vendors, 
I, I find out what time your Kabbalah's Panim and Chuppah is, what time your contracts end with all your vendors. And within that time frame, I make the best schedule that we can make to be able to get the most out of everything. So from like when the column needs to start makeup all the way till when Sheva Brachas is. That's what a wedding coordinator does. You coordinate and then I'm there. I, my, I start with the Kala when she has to get into her gown and then I'm there through pictures. I'm there through, um, through everything, helping the Kala to do what needs to be done. So it's not so much the preparations before leading up to the wedding. It's more the actual day of the wedding. Right. Kind of if, involvement, if, if somebody needs me to be involved, then I am. Right. Right. What about um, there? There's you, you hear some little dramas between like Machatanim who, you know, you always hope that both sides are going to be best of friends. And but, you know, sometimes it doesn't end up that way. And, you know, there's different characters, there's, there's different personalities. How could you try to avoid um I guess like the least strife between both sides. A, it's uncomfortable between Hassan and Kala because at the end of the day, it's both of their parents and you want to come to a wedding with the most harmony as possible. So is there any ways that you could avoid that both sides can see like kind of eye to eye to the most as possible? Or is there like divide and conquer? Like I'll take care of this part, you take care of that part and each one does it their way or just something where you're not kind of creating strife and division as much as possible. So so I'll tell you in, in honest, in all honesty, um, I have been, I have been buffered. I, I have been used as a buffer between the two sides because they didn't see eye to eye, but really the most important part is, um, the parents have to sit down and they have to be completely honest with the other side and, and with expectations and with, um, um, you know, this is what I would like to spend. This is my budget. So a lot of parents will say, to, to one side, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm willing to spend. Here's the money, do what you want. Then you have the parents that will say, um, you know, I'd like to be involved. So before you sign any contracts, I'd like to see them. Um, sometimes one side will call me and say, they're driving me crazy. They're nitpicking on little things. And then either I get involved or I say, call the Rav, call the Masada Kedushin, get them involved. Because sometimes the two sides need to sit down with uh, uh, a third party to actually, you know, come to a peaceful agreement. But more often than not, it there's, you know, the sides agree. They're so happy that their kids are getting married. At this point, they've already done their research on the family. So they really know what they're getting themselves into. It's not like suddenly the wool was, you know, like. They didn't know that this side is like this, or they didn't know that this side is like this. So very more often, just, you know, more gets uncovered as you deal with correct, people, for sure. You're right. You're right. More gets yeah. uncovered. The, the, the more that the parents don't involve the kids in these little nitpicky things, the Healthy. happier everybody is. Um, That's the only thing I was going to add. I would say regardless of anything, when a college, you know, I would say just stay out of it. It's not right. Your parent. I, I, I would any, just stay out of it. You know, so, they tell your chassan, I'm, I'm not comfortable getting involved. Um, I, I, I don't, I can't see anything really good, positive coming from your chassan or kala getting involved in, in the mechatanim. Um, um, drama. Listen, there are adults in right. the room and I, I agree with Ahuva. You get a third party involved to just mediate and not, and not get them involved. Cause that, that, that can't be harmonious in any way. No, it, it creates too much tension. When the parents get the kids involved, it really creates tension. 
Thank you. What about, um, you know, on the wedding day, there's so much, um, there, there's such a big to-do list that you want to make sure you, you know, you accomplish. So clearly, obviously with the wedding planner, she'll remind you, did you say you tell him or did you dive in your mincha? But I guess this is a question for both of you. What would you say are like three to five things that are like the top that like, you've got to make sure you do this on this day. And if the other things didn't happen, it's okay. Like, it's fine. You know, it, it, it will pass. And it's, even if you're not getting married again, you'll, you'll forget about it within, you know, a month or two, but then there's those that you just, you don't want to, you want to make sure you get to do it. Ruthie. So we, we kind of mentioned some of the most important thing that I, that I try to stress, because there's, there's quite a few things that we mentioned is number one, tzedakah. And tzedakah on the way, on the day of your wedding, I, I left my paper upstairs, but the Rebbe made a very big stir about tzedakah on the day of your wedding. And um, something to the effect of, um, oh, I'm going to say it wrong, that the Abish, I'll say it in English better, the Abishter, um, when we give tzedakah on the wedding day, the Abishter gives in a very, in a very giving way, the Abishter gives to the chassan and kalab in a very, very broad and, give, and giving way, gives them brachas in a very, um, so this means, and I tell this to the girls when we do our wedding minhagim class, because we have a whole class just on wedding minhagim. And I explained to them that you can't just, this is something that is part of the planning to minimize your stress. Go to the bank a week, two weeks before your wedding and get coins and, you know, set up um, tzedakah port, you know, little stations all over your house for the makeup person, for the hair person, for the video person, for, for anybody who walks into your house for the excitement of the day to see any family members. Um, but it requires planning. It requires planning. Uh, you want to give specifically to Karen Simchasaz Makala. You want to give specifically to Kalil Chabad. You want to, it all requires you doing this in advance so it doesn't stress you out on the day of your wedding. And then I tell them, prepare a, a text message the night before or two nights before or a broadcast WhatsApp to send out to everybody that you know and love who's not going to be by your wedding. You know, in schos of my, of my wedding that's taking place today, please give tzedakah and write your name and your husband's name and send it out to all of your friends that they should give tzedakah for you. Because this is something that the Rebbe made a very, very, like I said, very big storm about. And, and, and again, we don't want to make it stress us out. So it does require a little planning, forethought. We mentioned, Ahuva mentioned, Mincha. Mincha is very important. And she also mentioned just Ruthie about the tzedakah. That's why people have tzedakahs at the tables of the room. They put it on the tables. And that's something you could talk to your party planner about if, you're, if you could have it in your yichud room. But you have to have coins in the yichud room because the pushka's there or the coin's there. By your Kabbalah's pundit, it could be everywhere, but it's not just going to show up. You know, right. and then uh, we mentioned to Hillem, and we mentioned. I'm assuming you're talking just about. Th- sorry, just getting. I'm um, just getting to the sucker before you move on with the tome. Is it a thing where you have to be mindful about it? That you know, you, you know the story about you know Rabbi Akiva and his daughter and the food that he gave to the poor. Is that uh it by automatic that you know the the caterer like puts extra plates around for your table, or is that something that you have to remember and like tell the caterer, Hey, put an extra five portions for anyone who comes in, you know, like talking about Sadaka, right? I don't know how much it happens in Crown Heights. I don't know. In Crown Heights, the caterer always has extra. You never have to worry. Okay. I'm just curious if that's like an automatic thing again, going to Sadaka, you know, I I think that the Yeshiva uh, boys that come down for the food. There's always extra. There's always, always. Um, and then, like I said, we mentioned Tehillim. Tehillim is something also to be mindful. I have girls that panic, like I'm never going to finish. So I tell them, I say, listen, you, you wake up at a reasonable hour and do, you do the best you can. It's something that you really want to try to do. And, um, and if you can't, then you get to a place like Ahuva said that there's times, like I know like my daughter, 
by her wedding, every time they were busy setting up the kids or the, she stood at the side and she said to them, she hopped around another capital, you know? Um, if you can't, if you feel like it's getting to the end and you can't, that's what you have friends for. You want to say to him, you want to have a mincha. Um, what else? What else? I'm, I'm talking on a, rus- on a ruchinistic level. What's important, obviously, sure. you want to go to the aisle. Um, so I, most girls, as far as I know nowadays, don't go the morning of, they go the night before. Um, and I, uh, some chasanam go in the morning, some don't. Uh, I'm, I think those would probably be on a ruchniyistic level. I would say those are like the most important things to be mindful of. Cool. Uh, have Uva helping you make it happen, so it's good. <laughs> yeah. No, that Ruthie got it. On a physical level, okay. on yeah. the stuff that you really love and that you really enjoy. Um, you got to speak to me. You have to make your mind known about how much, you know, how, what matters the most to you. You know, is it the, is, is this, are, do these pictures matter more to you? Do those pictures matter more to you? Cause they take time and you don't want to, um, and you want to make sure that you have enough time for that. Speak to the photographer. We'll talk about pictures, I guess, soon, but it's just yeah. something to be mindful of. So I guess you're talking about pictures. So we'll drift into that for a moment. Um, pictures could totally take over a wedding and we know that there's so many different types of weddings where the chasen kala you know they they're rolling down an i-45 because they they didn't have a huva to tell them get out and go downstairs people are waiting for you um so there's this fine balance where on one hand you know you want to have all your beautiful pictures and this is once in a lifetime that you're going to take these pictures on the other hand you have a wedding going on and you want to make sure that you're fully present and all there um you know, and then there's always the after wedding pictures, which, you know, Ruthie, I know we were discussing, which if, if you can, you know, bring that to the, bring that to the table as well. So what's this fine balance where you're taking pictures, you want to utilize the holy day. You don't want to be taking pictures all day. You, again, it's all going back to our original question, healthy balance, gosh, me some ruchnius, and, and you want to make it a healthy sink. Um, ahuva. So most kalas take about an hour of kala photos. Some girls want more, so we give, I give them a little bit more. But for the average kala, they do an hour of pictures. Um, now, for a lot of kalas, um, out of respect to their parents, they then do an hour of family photos. And if it means a lot to the kala, and it means a lot to the mother, then the siblings will hopefully be present and be there on time so that it's not wasting time on anybody and that the wedding runs smoothly. And yes, it, it becomes a little tedious and a little tiresome. And I, every once in a while, a call will tell me, wow, you know, when you look at those pictures online, it looks so easy. I didn't realize how tiring it was. You know, that one shot that you see on social media took 15 takes to do. Um, well, it's like but I one outfit that you buy, right. you know, every well, outfit that a girl wears is 10 hours of shopping. <laughs> Yeah, well, listen, I tell the callers all the time that I'm there for you. And when it gets too much, let me know and I'll stop it. You know, when it's the freezing cold outside and it's uh, 18 degrees, but the caller wants those outdoor pictures, I'm very mindful and I'm watching her hands to make sure that they don't start shaking and turn blue. So I'm on top of it. I'm, I, you know, so that's like the fine balance. But I think more what you're asking is after chuppah and after yichud room. What's the fine balance between taking pictures and then your guests being, you know, in the hall? So I do speak to the kala and I do sometimes speak to the chassan before the wedding. And I tell them, you're, 
people were invited, people came, people are there. They made the effort, whether they came from across the street or they flew in, they came to your wedding. And we need to find that balance between taking custom color pictures and then being at the wedding. Um, most photographers do not need more than 20, max, max 30 minutes for custom color photos. That's like, that's really, because in all honesty, you don't need a hundred pictures to choose from. You need 30, 40, even that's so overwhelming. And then each family wants to have a couple photos with the chasen kala. So I always ask like, is the kala from the beginning part of the family? Is she from the tail end of the family? And usually if the kala is one of the youngest, then her big family picture was taken before they pop out the kala or they pop out the chasen. And today photoshopping, you have no idea what they could do. And this helps the family after the wedding, after the chuppah, because they can, they can put the kids into the pajamas, they can get them to babysitters. And it eases up a little bit of that pressure and that tension of we have to get in, we have to get in, we have to get in for dancing. Um, most chasanim and kalas from when Yechud Rum finishes till they come in is about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. And usually during that time, there's food, and um, there's, if it's a large family, sometimes I suggest entertainment for the kids so that they're not wild. But the guests are usually entertained with food during this time, so they're not sitting. By the time they start to fidget and look at their watch, like where's Hassan Kala? At that point, they're almost coming in. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. So as, like I said, as somebody who loves pictures, and to someone who's made a few weddings, I, I, I like to point out that everything that I that Ahuva said is accurate and true, yes. Sometimes there are things that just happen that you didn't foresee happening. You know, it took longer for, to get, you know, ridiculously, it took longer to get from Alitara to 770 because it was insane traffic and the Hassan Kala were delayed like by a ridiculous amount of time by something, and it happened to me once. You know, or one family member was missing, didn't make it to the chuppah because, but I, Interesting stories. So sometimes our schedule gets derailed, and um, and I'm and I'm someone who's been a wed guest at weddings that I had to wait. And I just think it's nice to just be mindful of the chasen and kala that it is their day, it is their one day, and it's usually the chasen kala pictures that get the short shrift because you had the time in, in the daytime to take your pictures. Um, and, and, and these are the ones, it's like the first time you're taking pictures as a couple. It's, it's, it, it's nice. And it's something that you really want to do. And, um, it's not going to happen again. So if unforeseen things happen and, 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 and it's, you have to say, you know, it's more important to me to have my Hassan Kala pictures and to have a picture with every single one of my siblings, families, you have to decide. And then, and then, and then sometimes people have to wait just a little bit. I'm not saying a lot. I'm not saying be disrespectful of your guests, make sure there's a lot of food. And, uh, and like Ahuva said, entertainment. And, and there's, again, it's their one day. So, you know. I wanna add one more thing. There, there have been times where we've been derailed. And I, I tell the Hassan Kala and I tell the parents, we'll do those photos after the first dance. It's nothing wrong. After the first dance and everybody sits down to the main course, we call out whoever, whichever family or big family didn't get the picture, then we call them out. And it's, and it's, doable and everybody understands and everybody's so happy just to be part of the wedding. So as long as people are, as long as things are explained to people, 
that also helps with the tension and the and the that there shouldn't be tension and there shouldn't be frustration as long as things are explained. Do you think, as um, Ruth, you were mentioning that you know this is their special day and this is the first time that they're taking Hassan Kala pictures? Is there anything that they themselves should be in tuned? Are there any? Um, I guess maybe from a halachic perspective of, you know, kinds of pictures that they should be in tune of not to take or yes to take, or, you know, this is officially their first time as a couple, which is amazing. Um, yeah. Good question. Okay. So um, it's, it's actually, it's a, okay. It's a good question. Why do I say it's a good question? Because it's when we look out there in the world, like Ahuva saying, we look at pictures and social media, a lot of things have been normalized. And it's important for us, again, to have this mind shift and understand really what is the way that we want and what do we want. And this also requires being mindful of it beforehand. And maybe the chasen and kala. So the question is really, what type of pictures are we supposed to be taking? And so a chasen and kala, you know, that's not experiencing chupas nida, are allowed to stand in close proximity to each other not a problem. His kapata, touching your gown, kind of, not a problem. Close proximity. But physically touching each other in public is something that our Chabad Rabbanim have clearly said that we, pictures that we do not take. Public displays of affection is, we do not do. And we, we do, and one of the ways that I did, when I talk about this to my, to my colleagues, when I talk about this to anybody, what I really want them to understand what the, is this is the first time that you're taking pictures as a couple. That in itself is a beautiful thing. And then you wanna be mindful of who do you really want to display your connection to the world? Because that is what happens. These photos are not private. They do not remain private and that is the idea. They're public and once they're public, they are not allowed. So we really, and then once you decide, and then remember, if we want to draw down the brachas and we want to, to have this, um, this beautiful beginning that we want, well, then we have to do that in a way that, that the Abishter would be proud of. <laughs> this is what we want. We want to do things in the way that we're supposed to. And then that's a discussion that you would have to have with your photographer before your wedding. Not at the moment when the, when, the, when the photographer's telling you, okay, do this and do this, and you just don't feel like saying no, or you're just in the moment and you, and you just, then it's something that has to happen before. And, and when you're sitting down talking to the photographer, you know, today you have to pay money to um, tell your photographer, and I've done this with every single one of my children, you cannot display these they photos. Know that public. Okay, so I pay a fee. Is it fair? No. Is it right? No. Um, but I do it because I feel like it's that important. And, and then really, I actually, someone just told me something that they told their photographer that they're gonna be there, you know, they wanna take pictures, but they wanna be very careful that their pictures are not displaying any types of, of affection between the two of them. And, and they said, if, there, if there's a fee, they have no problem paying the fee. And the photographer answered, don't worry, if I'm not posting those pictures, no one's clicking on the picture anyways which was an interesting yeah. thing to hear from the photographer's perspective, you know? Uh, wow. I know, right? It was a, it was a pretty big yeah. one. I was surprised to hear that. So, yeah. And then I do tell them, and then I, I, do, I do say one more thing, that for, the girls that for the girls that really question and wonder, can I really, I can't, really I can't, but everybody does, everybody does, really I can't. And I tell them like this, 
if it's something that you and your husband, you know, decide together that it's something that you want to do, then it's something that you have to speak to your Amashpia and a Rav about how you go about taking those pictures. Because ultimately those pictures must remain private. That's the idea. Private, completely private. That would mean that your photographer sends you those pictures just to you and nobody else, not to your parents, not to your family members. That's what private means. And it's something that you could speak to your Mashpia about and decide, you know, what you're comfortable with. So I'll just, I'll just add one thing that's that's on these lines. I I have been very often the mother of the chassan and the mother of the kala will both tell me, by the way, please remind the photographer that there's no touching pictures. And then I'll have the kala at some point during the day say, please remind the, the, the photographer not to ask us. And then I'll have the chassan say, please remind the photographer. So then when I when I go to the photographer, he's like, I already heard it four times four times, I'm not going to ask. But then you have that both sets of parents to the photographer and the photographer still asks the couple. So I went, I would go over to the photographer and I would say, what's going on? He goes, oh, sometimes the parents are not in tune with their kids. So the photographer still asks and this poor couple are stuck like deer in headlights. Like who's going to be the first one to say no. So I always tell the parents, you know, Make sure you speak to the photographer. Make sure you speak to the photographer. And I will also, like, I'll add to that to make sure. I guess maybe the question would be, what if the parents don't want it? And then, you know, who's the one paying the bill? And then the 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 kala or chassan or both do want pictures like that. Um, At the end of the day, who's the one paying the bill? So, you know, (laughs) I guess the photographer's a little bit in the middle. What what does the photographer do there? as somebody who's made weddings and, you know, I'm not a big fan of, of using the, I'm paying the bill, you have to do it my way. That's not my, you know, when you're coming to a wedding and you want to start a wedding off B'Shalom and you want, your, you know, to a certain degree, to a certain degree, you want to, you know, if it's something that the parent, both parents told the photographer not to do and the chas kala asked the photographer to do it, and that's something that they're okay with. They're, they're adults, they're big kids. And like I just said, there's there's room, so to speak, possibly if it's in private, just with the photographer and no one's going to see the picture. There's, there's again, I, I'm, I'm, and my, if you're asking me my parenting skills, that's not my parenting, that's not my parenting way. It's just not, it, it just, to me, it just, just harbors a little bit of resentment. Sure. And, and we want this marriage to start off, you know, b'shalom and not having any resentment to the mechotanim or to the parents. And I don't know if I would, I would go there. I, that's my humble opinion. Right. Right. Good figure. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, what about after the wedding? I know that some, there's times that, you know, people want to have more time for pictures and, you know, it's a little bit trendy perhaps to want to go to, um, you know, the park or Dumbo's or downtown Brooklyn, whatever it is, wherever you're having your wedding. What what do you think about that? I guess on a on a Gashmias level, like logistically, it's the end of the wedding and you know, you're exhausted and you fasted and whatever. So just sometimes as a chasanakal, they don't see the ramifications of that and for their health and um, you know, on that element. And then I guess, you know, if there's any Ruchmanis element to take in mind as well. Um, Let a Huva start with the Gashmias and then I'll start okay. So I'll start with the gastrointestinal. Yeah, there's such a great balance together. <laughs> so, um, 
most of the chasanim and kalas that I have done, by the, they just want to go home. They just want to go. I have been caught in sticky situations where the kala did tell the chasin that they were stopping for photos. And it was not a very pleasant um, couple minutes till we could find a compromise between the two. I have been in situations where the chasin didn't tell the kala. Um, so I'm, I, I, I do ask my couples um, based on the photographer sometimes that I know who certain ones um, offer it more than others as, as part of the package. Some offer it as an additional fee. So I do ask and I do say you have to communicate with each other to make sure that both of you are on the same page. I do also remind the callers very often that you do not realize how physically exhausted you're going to be. You do not realize what you look like. You are, you're, you don't look the same like you pictures. at one o'clock in the afternoon. Your hair is sweaty. Your makeup's almost gone. Your dress is plastered to you. And it's a very uncomfortable situation to be in to go take photos. So I, I, I do all of those things. And I will say that nine out of 10 times, they, they don't go. They, they, don't, they don't do it. They really just, they're just excited to go to their apartment or to the hotel. Ruthie, anything to add? Um, so my, what, the only thing I, when I get asked, if I found that the couples that decide that they're doing it, there's very little talking them out of it. I haven't, I, like I know Ahuva said that, that the, the Kala will decide she's surprising the Hassan or something like that. So if I get wind of that, I would tell them always, no, it's not the best surprise. You should really run it by him. Uh, but just on, on, a, on a, not on a Ruchnius level, but you know, your night's not over. And, um, and, and it's important to just, like Ahuva said, you're exhausted and you want to get home and you want to hydrate and you want to probably eat something normal that you couldn't eat at the wedding. And, and while in pictures that you see on Instagram, like the next day from that photographer that offers this package looks so, again, it's the same idea. What is, what is your mindset? What is it that you want to um, have for your future? That's really what it is. I, 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 I don't want anybody to, I don't want to come across that I'm, um, that, that it's not a beautiful, fun filled, amazing, powerful day it is but you have to really really um really understand like the more i was reading and the more i've been researching all of this and understanding just what what we know comes to us on this on the day of our wedding we want to have we want to understand that that is not putting us in that mind frame it's not putting us in that mindset i just want to add one thing i, I have spoken to couples that have gone and i asked them was it worth it and most of them tell me no. Most of them tell me I'm going to speak to my friends and convince them not to do it. So if there's a couple, if there's a girl out there that's listening to this and in her mindset, she wants it, speak to your friends who've done it, you know, and, and, and really speak to them and see if it was really worth the extra half hour. Well, I guess that's the really the point of this whole conversation in general if we're doing our wedding and we're doing it once might as well learn all of the the pros that every all the all the good things that everyone has done and all the things that didn't work and if we can learn from people's mistakes then we don't have to do that and then right. go through it ourselves so 
Yeah, you know, thank you for that. Um, what about what about that amazing moment where the the band has no clue who the Hassan Kala is because it's his like twenty seventh wedding for the week, and he's like, you know, calling in the Hassan and Kala because he like doesn't even know their names at that point. Um, but the Hassan walks in, and it's this awkward moment because like, where is he supposed to go? Is he supposed to run through the woman section to go to the guy section? So just logistically, like, is there? I mean, are they told beforehand what to do? Uh, are the guys surprised? Like, oh my gosh, I just opened the door to a, a, a group of excited girls who are ready to dance and halishing to get their, you know, dancing okay. shoes on or get their shoes off. <laughs> and so, so um, what do the guys do? One. So I'll take this one. The weddings that I do, whether it's in Razag or in Ole Torah, um, I, right before the doors, First of all, I set it up that the chassan's on the correct side and the kal's on the correct side. I also look inside and I make sure that the arches aren't by the door, that the arches are like five steps in. So that's the first Thanks thing I move. do. Right. And then I, I turn to the chassan and kala and I say to the chassan, you're going to walk in, not holding hands, but you're going to walk in with her four steps. And then I say to the Kala, you're going to continue, go through the arches, meet your mother, your mother-in-law. You know, we go through that whole, you know, the uh, dancing etiquette of what should be and who should come, you know. And then I say to the Hassan, depending on which hall we're in, in Razag, the Hassan is able to sl slide through in front of the stage and go to the men's side. Lately in Ole Torah, they've really, really, really sealed up the Mechitza so that you there is no way to go across. So I... I try very hard to have either two of the chassan's friends or a brother or somebody standing right outside the lady's door so that as after the chassan walks two steps in, he turns around, he goes out, and then somebody takes him and brings him into the men's side. So that's the weddings that I run so that um, everybody's prepped and they know and nobody's caught like a deer in headlights not knowing what to do. Um, you know, that's for the practical level. In Ole Torah, you know, you, there is, it's physically almost impossible to go through the hall because you land up by the kitchen um, for the chassan to do. Um, but I will say one thing to everybody that's listening on, um, dancing etiquette on a lady's side is super important so that we don't insult anybody. So the friends, if a, if a kala comes from a large family, try to keep the circle big and try to make sure that her family whether it's the great aunts or the aunts or the cousins or the sisters, sister-in-laws, try to make sure that they get their dances before you cut in and you dance with her, even though she's your best friend. And even though you've been together since you're in pre one a because that always doesn't always work. So I'm just going to add to what Ahuva said that obviously when you go to the door, so let's say you don't have Ahuva. Let's say you have somebody. I else. was just going to ask Ahuva. I don't know how I got married without you. Like exactly. every step of the way, sounds like <laughs> disaster. Let's say you don't have Ahuva. So, so, so there is a way. There is a way in Alitara if you speak to the caterer, and depending how you set up your hall and where your band is, where your bar is, where your where your sweet table is, there is a way to make a path. There is. Um, you have to just. Be, I remember by one of my sons, I made a path and I went in right before. Um, right before he was about to come in and someone placed a table like in behind the two curtains. And I was like, this table can't be here. Um, so I spoke to the, I, I spoke to the wedding. I was mindful of it to a certain degree. Although Ahuva did bring out that when you have an opening in the Mechitza that allows for more of a free flow from side to side. So that's, again, we want to keep a good Mechitza, want to keep a proper Mechitza, but you can 
speak to your party planner, whoever it might be, speak to your caterer, make sure that there is that space for the chassan to go through because it is a little bit uncomfortable in Oli Torah to go in and then go out. And then again, I point out and I say this and it's and it's a fa- that when the kala comes in, the chassan's place is not through the shvil with her. That's not his place. His place is to let her go right. and then go on to the men's side. And what I also say, when, what, what Hugo was saying is if you do come from a large family and you have a lot of nieces, that are halishing to dance with you. Do yourself a favor, dance with them first, because then they'll leave the circle. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you're tripping over them for the next, for the next that entire first dance. You're tripping over them. Um, obviously, after the great aunt, and obviously after the, but before your friends, just get them, and you know, make their day, make their day. Um, I definitely remember as a kid for sure and 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 going to weddings now and you see the kids that are drooling over you because they just want to dance with the collar for three seconds and then like they literally just need three seconds and then they felt like a million dollars so as small as they are just remember that they're little humans that you just made their night and year and everything in between and just do it and they're (laughs) not leaving till you move till till they dance with you you won't forget anyway so just do it they are exactly they are consistent. Um, getting into dancing for a minute. Um, so I, I know there's so many different, you know, discussions and questions that could come up with dancing. Um, a, the style dancing and, you know, the music that plays with the dancing, which I would love to hear from you guys. Um, but in addition to that, especially, you know, there's so many different kinds of families. Some grew up a little closer with each other. Um whether it's, you know, some people are very close to their father and they would love to be able to dance with their father. Um, some families, their siblings are very close with each other and they would just would love to dance with their siblings, sisters and brothers included. Um, so is what is the line? What is the fine line um, where you bring the family in and then, you know, there's that fine line because once brother-in-laws want to start kicking in and it becomes a whole, you know, uh, family affair, that's when, you know, we got to put the line on it. But even though the mechitza is tight over there, like you said, somehow, somehow those that need to come through find their way to come through. Um, who are the right people to let come through and um, and enjoy the night? You know, it's your father. Like you, you know, you're so appreciative. He's your father. He, especially in Chabad, not many people necessarily go through the chuppah or you know, took a balls pun and with their parents side by side. It's usually mother mother for most people, father father. So here's kind of your chance to celebrate with him. Um, what do you guys say? I'll start with I'm fine. What'd you say? Ruthie's gonna do this one. Oh. Okay, so let's let's understand. I'm not there's a right and wrong, but I'm no. sure there's. So a you, put this, you laid it out very well. You laid it out very well, and let's just understand, like we said, a couple of basics, and then we'll take it beyond that. Uh, halacha is a man cannot see women dancing. So that would mean that um, dancing with your father is halachically allowed, but dancing with your father has to happen in a corner of the hall where he cannot see anyone else dancing on the women's side. It can't, he's not allowed to. You know, um, then we have, like you said, um, siblings. And so, so I did a little bit of, 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 of research and a little bit of delving a little bit deeper yesterday and today. And... Um, and, and basically what I, I heard from somebody was, you know, apparently in, I think it was in Rebbe Khana's memoirs, she wrote in her memoirs how by um, the Rebbe's wedding, she and Rebbe Levick weren't there. 
right? They they celebrated in, I think, Yekaterinoslav, and the Rebbe's wedding was in Warsaw. Not 100% sure. I think so. And she writes in her memoirs about dancing with her father at her wedding, right? And then the Rebbe, and, and it's things some, I, again, I'm not, don't quote me on this, but someone wrote a letter to the Rebbe and asked the Rebbe, um, why does the Chabad do a mitzvah dance? And, and the Rebbe did explain. The Rebbe explained, you know, what is beautiful for one generation doesn't necessarily work for one generation. But the real point that the Rebbe wanted, that the Rebbe made was, um, I, wanna, I wanna say it properly, was that um, we can see how this has evolved and how it has changed. You know, in, in other Hasidic communities where they have mitzvotans, it's literally the kala with her kartel and that's it. You know, or if it's with a chassan and that's, and there's not anything more than that. And we know and we've seen that um, it has evolved into something more. Like you said, you heard this. Is it a brother-in-law coming in? Is it a, and then that changes the whole thing. And that's the fair. It's completely not allowed. It's completely not allowed. So what I say when, when I'm asked this question is, and, and I think the Rebbe also said something to the effect of that you have to speak to the rub of your community to see what's allowed. And can you dance with your siblings is a question that if you feel that it's something that you want to do and you then... Speak to your family, Rav. Speak to your Rav and see how it can be done in a way that it is not in public, um, and that and that you could still celebrate with them because you are, you know, so close and you really, really want to. I mean, really, one one of the one of the beautiful things that I, that I that I that I read, um, and by the way, I just want to say I meant to say this before that one of our fellow college teachers. Um, worked very, very, very hard, months and months and months, and put together a beautiful booklet on Chabad wedding minhagim and our ways and our why we do things the way that we do them. And um, and it actually is written there. She spoke to a, a many Chabad rabbanim specifically about this. And there is a lush, there there is a way that they wrote it there. And um, and really, what we want to understand also, going back to what we said before, what I said before is. You know, in the in the zimun for 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 benching for um for a wedding, we add in two words, and the two words that we add in 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 benching is, um, again, it says she hasimcha bim that there is joy in his abode, that the abister is rejoicing on high with us at our weddings, right? So when we do what we're allowed to do. The Abishur is rejoicing in our weddings. And that's what we want to that degree. Again, there's, you could speak to your family, Rav, you could figure out a way to make it happen, but it's something to just to, to, to be mindful of again. And I guess in that same vein, when you're saying just be mindful, it's, I'm, I'm assuming the same response as when it comes to types of music and style musics and, you know, if it's the holiest day of your wedding, what kind of music do you want? Um, you know, in general, I know some people are, you know, they'll want to have a, a, a nig in a day in their house and everything else is, you know, they'll be playing other music. So kind of like in a little microcosmic level, the day of your wedding is this holy day. So, you know, kind of picking your music mindfully that I want to bring all the brachas in on this day as much as possible. I don't know, like, I, I'm sure Kalas think about this and they have the playlist beforehand. It's not just random that the, you know, that the musicians playing songs. I'm sure the Hasanakala had a say in what's being played. Was that correct, Ahuva? Yes. 
Yes, it is. Um, this is a very big, um, can be a very big um, uh, point of pen. pen. Thank you. Thank you. This the music can cause a lot of tension at weddings because parents want one style, the couple wants one style, the chassan wants one style, the kala wants one style, this side wants. So this is also a very big, um, it can cause a lot of tension. I always tell everybody, be very clear what you want. Um, so even if the weddings that I don't do, but people call me for help, I will always say you have to choose one person that the band is gonna listen to. Because you can be at a wedding where the parents will say, and the chas and kawa, everybody's on the same page. And they'll say, we only want a gunim. And suddenly the brother-in-law or the sister or the cousin or the niece will go over to the band and say, oh, could you play this song? But they told me you can. And what does he know? And he plays a song and there's nothing to do. And it was like, not like one of the songs they wanted. But, you know, uh, from the band's point of view, somebody asked, so he played it. So I always tell people, like the weddings that I do, I'm the point person, he listens to nobody but me. But if, if you don't have me, then appoint somebody and say, this is the person who you're going to be taking requests from. But just know that the type of music that you're playing um, sets the tone for the wedding. That's it. And there's no way around it, whether you're having a band or you're having a DJ or you're having a 10 piece band or a one piece band, the type of singer that you're going to have. All of this is more than anything else at the wedding. The music is what sets the tone more than the flowers, more than the table settings, more than the photographer, more than the gowns, more than anything. The music is what sets the tone at the wedding. So what I want, what I want to add to that is a hundred percent, and you could have an amazing simcha, a joyous wedding with, maybe it's just nagunim, or maybe just with straight up Jewish music. Um, but I also say that um, there's compromise. You are marrying a second side. Sometimes the parents want something that the children want something different, and uh, and I think that there has to be compromise. There must be compromise because you want you want maybe for one of you choose. You know we're going to have. Um, the first two dances, this type of music, and the last dance, the chasen and kala can choose what they want to a certain degree. And it may lend a different vibe. It may lend, um, it may, it absolutely may, but this is what the chasen and kala want and it's their wedding. And this is where I say compromise is very, very important because it's not the parents' wedding. It's their wedding. And you want to have that, you want to have a compromise with everything that we were just talking about, all of these things when we talk about type of wedding we want to have and the ruchnius and the physical, you, you don't want to be, again, we don't want to bring up resentments and we don't want it to be, like Ahuva said, a point of contention. So I agree, no matter what it is, have a discussion with the musician beforehand. And, you know, I know somebody personal, you know, there was, they, they made up with the, with, with the band. 70% this type of music, 30% this. And that was how we created his playlist. Literally 70, 30. And that was a compromise. And that was a compromise. And and they and and he went through it with them. It, it has a lot to do with communication and like like Ahuva said, planning. Even like I said, even if Ahuva's not in the, Ahuva's not there, you have to know that um, that you have to be very very clear. Right. Yeah. To be absolutely clear. agree. I would say just two different. I would make it two people in charge of that 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 not in charge, but two people that could speak to the band. One maybe on the lady side, one maybe on the men's side, because the. You know, you want to have some communication going there, but I agree with the Hoover 100%. The band should listen to no one but who that person is. 
I remember one time I was at a wedding and you're talking about music, how it like sets the tone. Um, there was one set of music. I don't remember if it was particularly Nagunim or just whatever Jewish music it was. And everyone was just like dancing and just like just joyful, you know, unadulterated simcha. And then all of a sudden the music changed and you felt like you were in a disco club. And I was like, wow, like music just has a power. It's the same crowd. It's the same people. But all of a sudden, just the, the behavior was different. You know, the dancing was different. And it just made me realize, like, like you said, you know, when you're deciding on your on your style of music, it's gonna, it's it's affecting the whole atmosphere of your wedding. And this is your holy night. So, you know, kind of choose it right. You want to have a different yeah. music tomorrow, the next day, go for it. But like, it's, it's a holy day. Be mindful about that. Um, question for you guys, the day of your wedding, it's almost like it's, there's so much um, angst in a good, from a good place, you know? Um, I mean, uh, there's a lot on the other hand too, but like, just there's so much emotions that are in on this day and there's so much like thanks that you want to kind of give your mother for like everything that she's done for you leading you up to this day and kind of like when she's walking you down that you know that chuppah like you want to show your appreciation do you see like any callus is there any like any anything that callus have done on the day of the wedding just to show like their thanks to their mother for everything they've done I mean obviously they could show their appreciation anytime in their life but like this is like a peak of a moment so to say is there anything um, I've I've done car I've seen I've handed cards over like a color will give me you know when I leave for pictures like you know tell my mother to open this like as we're walking out the door she gives me that you know something for her mother and something for her father and I hand it to them and I'm like read it when we're not here you know um as a college teacher I tell that to my to my girls I say to them write write your parents a letter Write down everything that you want to communicate to them. This is the best way. You have a week, that week before the wedding where you can't speak to your chassan anymore. That's the best time to write it down because your mind is really now super focused on your wedding. So that's what I say. The letter writing is amazing. Now, it doesn't always come easy to people. Sometimes even just thank you or thank you for being there. Simple words. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out letter. It could just be simple words. I guess what about sometimes people didn't have the fortunate opportunity to have such a great relationship with their parents. What if they want to kind of like pour out their heart and kind of get it off their shoulder and maybe have an opportunity to start fresh and new? Like, is that the same? You know? So I would tell them to give it the day after the wedding, <laughs> not the day of. Give it the next okay. day. Like make sure they get it the next day. But there's, there's, if somebody didn't have a good relationship with her parent, her mother or her father, there's still a certain amount of thank you. Thank you for, sure. for being at my wedding. Thank you for giving me this wedding. Um, you want to start you for life. Fresh? Yeah. But you know, if the letter's going to be a tinge of, of, uh, you know, has something in it, then, then wait for the next day to give it and see if from there you can write, you know, maybe from here on out, we can start, you know, on a fresh, clean slate. I'll also say that if you're not so good with words, gifts go a long way. Like I know um, somebody who likes words were not her thing, but she went out of her way and she found a picture of her and her mother from her l'chaim and she made it in, and, she, and one for, of her and her father by her l'chaim and she printed it on a little 
you know, not even four by six, small eleven, four by six, and she get left it on, you know, and she gave it to both of them. And with a just simple thank you, you know, little things can go a long way. Just being thoughtful. I think I think that parents really appreciate it. Whether you had a good relationship or you don't, those things are and I say it to my colleagues as well. I tell them, you know, if you were a bridezilla or you weren't, you know, it's 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 an Indian to be thankful. It's an Indian to be thankful. Very true. What about as college teachers? Um, I'm sure the Kalas turn to you the day of their wedding and they're having this emotional anxiety. Um, and this anxiety is from how do you help them from an emotional level and on a practical level? Like, are there things that you tell them, you know, it's calm down, it's going to be okay, you're good, it's not cold feet, or maybe it is cold feet, but whatever it is, there's so much, there's so many emotions going on at that day. How do you, how do you help them tie it together? So on the day of the wedding, I don't really have that much, much communication much communication with my actual column. But I will say that if there is uh, that if there is anxiety and everything that you're describing leading up to the wedding, it's something that we don't ignore. It's something that we don't um, push aside. I listen to them. I talk to them. Um, and, and I let them know that I let them know that there is who to speak to. You know, we never want to brush it aside. A lot of times it just is simple anxiety, simple anxiety that's coming possibly even from just a negative force. You know, there's this tremendous amount of kedusha happening or about to happen at your wedding. And there is, you know, the countervailing forces that we have, just the anxieties. But when, but I tell them all the time, I said, we, you know, even if, if, if it's simple anxiety or not, we talk it out and then I'll have them talk to somebody if I need to. And that's a very important component as, you know, walk you through it, walk you through your nerves and get to the root of what's causing it. So I've, I've dealt with Kala's and it's more like that. It's like that sudden crash of everything happening. It usually happens. It usually happens right after Mincha. When I say now we're going to go upstairs to Kabbalah's time and so suddenly they're like, oh my God, it's real. It's like really happening. And I look at them and lit to their faces. Like I look at them and I'm like, do you need five more minutes to get yourself? Like, do you want me to give you five more minutes? Do you need to take a deep breath? Do you need like nobody in the room? Should I kick everybody out? Tell me what you need to help you get over that. So sometimes it's just knowing that there's somebody there and then they're fine. And sometimes they need that extra five minutes with nobody in the room, like, you know, extra energy in a room or somebody giving a comment or something like that. And sometimes it's just knowing that somebody has their back and they're good. You know, one of the other interesting, interesting things that happens, I think only when you get married in Crown Heights, I know that other, when I've been to other weddings, this doesn't happen. And I really, and I prepare them for it is, is from the time of your Badekin, until you get to 770 can feel to the Kala. And sometimes it actually is forever, forever, you know, go, go, going around one block on one way streets and your way, it, it feels like forever. And I, and I warned them about it beforehand. I let them know. I said, just, it's, it might feel like that. There's all this chaos happening around you. You know, you're behind this veil. You don't know what's going on. I tell them, I say, do your best to tune it out. Do your best to be only around the people that you want to be around with around. Um, let your party planner know, let your mother know that you want in the car that you're in on the way to the chuppah is no one but your mother and your mother-in-law, nobody else. Um, I just be mindful of it because it's a, it's not something that they're necessarily prepared for. And it does sometimes take a while. It does. I, Ruthie, I tell them always, that's the time they could read all that. They always ask me, when should I read the names? When should I read the names? I'm like, that's this is when you're going to read the names. When right. you're in the car, 
and you're badecked and you're covered and you want to just concentrate, this is what you do. Um, question for you guys, um, Ruthie, starting with you and then on a practical level for, um, for Ahuva, I'm sure some of your, um, some of your Akalas have chupas nida. So how do you prepare them for that? Um, some of them might've realized it's coming or didn't expect it or whatever it is. Um, a, how do you prepare them for that? And is there anything, um, logistically for Ahuva, like as a wedding planning, um, anything that they need to know about, um, that's different than a regular wedding. So what, when we start, when we have our first class, we discuss, you know, how are you, how did you arrange your wedding? What was, what was the, you know, is it according to your period? Is it not? And, um, and I, and, and we go over that and we discuss that. And then I tell them, I just want to let you know that even though you made a plan and you're working it out this way, whatever your plan might be, you know, the Abishter is in charge. And, um, and, and then we, and, and can happen. And, and I tell them, I say, we're not going to go into it now. This is what I tell them. Um, I tell them if we see that it's happening, it's getting closer. We'll talk about it then. And I know that mikvah.org did a did a I think with Rabbi Kasimov did a podcast on um, on all the practical points that you need to know about chupas nida. They'll call me some and I'll know and I'll get them and I'll get them in touch with the Masada Kedushin and um, as few people as possible is, who, is what you want to know. There's our logistics involved and it's all and like I said, it's not something that I. I'm involved in to a certain degree, but um, when it comes to like their sleeping arrangements and all that, and how, and how long do they have and how long will they be needed for and all of that, um, 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 then I then we just wait. I, I don't like to, if, if you see it's getting close and it's gonna happen, then we'll talk. And that's when I've gotten involved. I spoke to them, Sada Kedushin, I spoke, to, and, then, and then I usually take a step back at that point. So from, from a practical level, and the practical um, no, right. So, so the only time that I'm like told is if suddenly there are no Adim by the door, because then the Masada Kedushim will be by the Yichud room. The Yichud room won't be locked. And the Rav will tell me, okay, we're not really giving them their full amount of time in there. So, you know, give them a couple minutes and then we're, they're out the door. Like we knock and we take them out. So that's like my, my involvement only happens at that point. Right, so only at the point where where they're going into Yichud room, then the Masad Kedushim will turn around and tell me. By the way, don't make a big deal. The Edim aren't coming. The door is not being locked. We're only giving them three, four minutes, and then they're coming out. So that's from a logistical point of view. And then, then the the for sure the photographer was told to like really, really don't ask and really, really make sure that that they're not uncomfortable being you know give them the space that they need when they take their chasen kala pictures. You're on mute. I'm not muted. No. Oh, you heard this. You this is. I don't think she realizes. No, you heard this, you're still on mute. <laughs> oh, there you go. Now you're not on mute. Okay. Perfect. Um, so you're saying that they're, they tell you or that you're informed so that you can tell the photographer, for an example, um, yeah. to be in tune yeah. to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, just as a logistic question, was that something that you discussed with your husband before? Was that something a third party was discussing? And you obviously know there's a fine line of conversation of what you have as an engaged husband Kala. Is that like an important piece of information that you should be telling him or 
because there's all different, it doesn't hand the kala the ksuba under the chuppah. Right. So is that the kala that tells him? Well, so usually the kala's mother will tell the chassan's mother. Okay. I'm saying like, is what's the, what's the, I'm in customs, so to say. Okay. Yeah, it, it's 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 not as common as it used to be because we have an amazing organization called Taharenu that really helps um, kalas avoid chupas nida. But, you know, like Ruthie said, Hashem controls the world and Hashem decides what he wants to do. Um, but if, it, if that's what hands, happens, the kala will tell her mother and the mother will tell the chassan's mother. And then the little tiny things that happen so super quickly that nobody really sees happens. Right. Right. Um, okay. So to wrap up, I'm going to conclude with just one of two questions left. So this is for Ruthie Anahuva. Um, just looking back and you just want to have the most, as our topic was, the most memorable wedding possible. Um, what would be one thing that you can say, like, I know we discussed this in different shapes and forms, but like, what is one thing as a takeaway that a girl can have, a call can have to, um, to say, hey, just, you know, be mindful about this. You'll be so happy later on. Or, you know, looking back, just you're going to you're gonna really be appreciated that you did X, Y, Z. Take it away. I think it's really individual. I think that that question is really individual based on each girl. But, but like Ruthie kept saying, you, you just need to be mindful of what you want at the end of your wedding, like what you want to take away from it. So each person has a different, they're in a different mindset and they're in a different place. So every girl is different. So to go, like, it's a little hard to, you know, personally for me to say that it's a little hard to give one or two things, but I would just say, really think about the wedding day itself and think about what you want coming out of it. So I would, I would, I, I agree with Ahuva. Uh, I would say that, you know, every, for every person, different things are important. Like I said, like, I think I said it already three times. Like for me, dancing and pictures are like my favorite thing in the whole world. Like those are my two happy things. And I make sure like at my children's weddings that that's something that, that, that happens um, to the degree that I know they want, not what I want. Right. So we love dancing. We love music. And I'm, and, and yeah, we compromise on the music that's played, but we have the music a little bit longer because we just want to keep dancing. And that's, you know, I, you want to, and then you want, like I said before, um, you want it, you want to do things in, in, in a way that you are drawing down those brachas that you want and still enjoying yourself and having a blast and having that music and having that dancing. And, and if it means staying a little bit later, then it's something you talk to your parents about. And if it means, like I said, if you want to take pictures and it's something that is important to you, Right, and it can happen. It absolutely can happen. I do agree with Ahuva that you don't need 5,000 pictures. You don't, you really, really don't. It actually makes your job much harder when you have to pick your album, how do I choose? I'm not gonna lie. Um, but again, but it can all be done. You can balance the two. You can get stunning, beautiful pictures, you can. And in, in, in a way that, like I said, is drawing down those brachas. You can have amazing fun dancing that, that you just feel it in your, in your etzem. You feel that joy when you're jumping. You can, you can. It's just something that, it's not just gonna happen. 
And then I want to, I, I, I mentioned it before, but I want to just bring it in again. When we talk about, um, about our wedding men hug him and what the Rebbe, what we do at our weddings, um, you know, being when we go to the aisle and we're asking the Rebbe for what we want for our future, again, look to what our Rebbe has said, look to what the Rebbe has guided us. When you go to the aisle, you know, don't just go to the aisle for your wedding because you just, it's just one thing to check off your list. It's not. I tell my colleagues even, when, you know, from, from when you do your Hefsiktara, from the day you, from the night you do your Hefsiktara, have a list on your phone and all the things that you want to ask for, everything that's on your mind, put it down so that when you go to the aisle, you're, you know what you want and you want those brachas and you do things in a mindful way. I think the bottom line for, for me, my takeaway from all of this is A, planning. Really, even if you're not the most organized soul and even if you're planning and, and then I would say, take what, you, what we learned and what we want and mesh it together. Make it blend and make it work. Make sense? So I see there's just um, two, three questions that I just want to clarify that came up in the chat box. Um, was the aisle mentioned? And yes, Ruthie did mention about going to the aisle. Many people don't necessarily go the day of. Maybe the chassan goes more the day of and the kala goes the day before. But either way, of course, it's very important. This is the brachas of your life on the day of your wedding. And there's no greater place to to draw those brachas down from the from the nasi himself so if you obviously live in crown heights and you're able to go to the aisle for sure and if you're not able to go to the aisle obviously the time that you're in crown heights to try to go there before and you know and um to connect all the other ways that the rebbe um gave us the opportunity to connect to him um if if you're not in crown heights and you logistically can't go to the aisle that day um, there was one more question that was in vain to, the, I guess, the Chupas Nida. Um, it's a little bit slightly off topic, but I guess we'll just um, ask it for a moment. Can Akala talk um, to her chassin during the engagement about her period? And I guess that was in sync with the Chupas Nida question. Um, is that appropriate or is that not? So I guess if you want to address so, that. So generally, speaking, we, 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 generally speaking, we avoid those topics when we're engaged. We do. Um, that's the way that's that's the way that's the way we teach it like we avoid there's no reason you're going on the pill you're not going on the pill obviously if you're going on the pill he has to be involved you know but that's you know that's that's the, your next series of, of dating and engagement um, <laughs> what they need to know while they're engaged but generally speaking no uh, and usually the few instances of hope need that I, that need of me that I've had happen literally the day, uh, the day before and they weren't talking anyways um right Right. So to wrap up, first of all, Ruthie and Ahuva, you guys have been amazing. You have both played a beautiful balance of bringing in the gashmias and ruchnias of the wedding, that it should be joyful and exciting and um, organized, and at the same time having your pictures and having the beautiful music, but just having a beautiful um, everything in sync together with each other. I guess just to, um, to conclude, being that both of you are college teachers, and this is not something that the girls discuss until they go to their college teacher um both of you are amazing and i um if i need a when i need to choose a college teacher um how do i go about that how do i go about finding the right college teacher that fits for me and for my style maybe that would be a podcast of having all the college teachers and everyone gives their speed dating <laughs> um you know spiel and then everyone could see their their style um and especially it's not just the couple of you know 
sessions that you have with your college teacher, but hopefully the goal is that you keep a relationship with your college teacher, be able to follow up with her if you're having any questions, any um, challenges or struggles that you might have, especially within your Shana Rishayna, which is super normal and that you're not alone and that you're not, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with you if that does come up, but to know that you have a good college teacher to be able to turn to, um, to help you and advise you. So how would you pick a college teacher? I mean, if I was engaged, I would be so lost. I'd be like, Ahuva, Ruthie, could I go to both of you? Um, first of all, we tell everyone so, go to mikvah.org and they have a whole list of all the college teachers that are there. Um, and then I, I know them. I really think it's word of mouth. Everybody asks their friends and I don't know. I think so. No, Ruthie. I think um, like a panel, we have a panel um, of like mostly word of mouth. college teachers, but it was word of mouth in our days also. I don't know about all of us. There's a lot of us that. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me take you back. Let me take you back yeah. to, I think it was about five years ago when there was like five of us, five college teachers in credits and those right. amazing, wonderful, wonderful women took on this project of training a batch of college teachers. And there was 40 of us, literally 40. And I think only 20 of us or less lived in Crown Heights. And, um, and it was a real, real job. And it wasn't just, it was comprehensive so comprehensive to the point that when when we go to like out of crown heights um training group training programs or make sure you do this or make sure you say that we're like we know this you know mrs morosa <laughs> told us this we learned we had, this mrs klein taught us this we we know Shout out we mrs. know mrs. about this disorder we we it was completely right and completely, completely comprehensive to the degree that like, of course, my education is always growing 100%. Um, but now, uh, I, now they've done this, I think they're on round four of Kal teachers. I think it's mostly shlokhais, I'm not 100% sure. And you have a tremendous um, group to, to choose from and all comprehensively trained. When you're looking for someone that fits your personality, I say, ask your friends. Now, it doesn't always work because your friend is not the same personality as you. Um, a right. lot of us teach groups. Some of us teach groups. Some of us teach one-on-one. -on -one. You have to... Do you suggest one-on-one -on -one better, group better? Is um, Zoom it's like a no-no or that's okay? So like I said, it depends. I, I personally don't enjoy Zoom, um, honestly. So if someone asks me, I send them to the call teachers that do Zoom. But if I have to, like I'll do one class on Zoom. That's like, you know, have Sektar, Shiv, Nakim, Khafifa. That I don't mind doing on Zoom. But other than that, I really don't because I like to be able to connect. Personally, I see a tremendous um, advantage to group. My groups are very small because you might not want to ask a question and someone else might ask a question. But I will say one thing that I have learned, and this is someone who could know what she was like in school. If you were someone in school who, when you took notes, you needed time and you needed to process. And sometimes you need to hear something twice. I totally understand that completely, then you might be, you might be a perfect candidate to be like, you know what? No, I need to be one-on-one. -on -one. I need that. But if you're the type of person that you know that you have a lot of questions, but you're not really going to ask them and you want to be with somebody else and it'll make you a little bit more comfortable, you kind of have to know yourself to a certain degree. Everyone gets a, gets one private class for sure. No matter what, if you're in a group, but I, it's kind of knowing your learning style. No, and I will say that I'm grateful for the girls who I was like, are you sure to want a group? They're like, no, I need one-on-one. -on -one. And they really, really did. And I appreciated that they knew that about themselves because they just needed that extra time and, and they didn't want to feel rushed by anybody else. So, so those, it, it kind of like knowing yourself.
So you're saying literally it's just personality because knowledge-wise, technically you've taken all the same classes, someone who has children that are married versus someone who doesn't, do you think there's a difference in that? I don't know if there are any of us who, who aren't. I think you have to be married a certain amount of years. If I'm not mistaken. No, no, you're married, but you don't have children that are married. Like you haven't gone through like I don't think marrying you off a kid yourself. No, or... that doesn't, that does Most not. of us don't have married children. Yeah, that okay. doesn't make a difference. Yeah. It's no. a shidduch. Finding the right college teacher is a shidduch. And just because you meet one time with the college teacher, you might realize, and the college teacher might realize in that first session that this is yep. not going to work. And but even but you're, you're so stressed at, at that point, you're so stressed, you're not starting to do college shopping, college teacher shopping. No, uh, but know. but we know we know who's around, and at that point, we're able to say, This is not going to work, you really need to go to so and so, or so and so is a much better match for you. We, we, uh, we you know, we've as been I'm, together enough to know this, right. Or, or maybe as I'm talking and I'm thinking, mikvah.org has amazing resources of so many different classes and many different college yes. teachers have given different classes. I know just for myself, obviously not in the sense for me taking college classes, but I've heard so many different college teachers and their styles just from the different classes that you guys have given. Um, that would be an idea for a girl you know, even while she's single, not when she's engaged at that point already, you're stressed to find someone, but listen to these different sessions, A, because they're super educational, but B, you're also getting to hear a style of a person. Um, and then you, you know, hey, I like her outgoingness or I like her um, more, you know, I don't know, her whatever style the person has, um, her openness or whatever lack of. Um, and then by the time it comes to choose someone, you already kind of got a little grasp from hearing right. different classes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm thinking, I'm thinking if, 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 yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I would say like, if you're a single girl and you want to listen to a podcast, I would say, listen to a podcast along the lines of what we're doing right now. Not necessarily. Well, on yeah. And, and Khafifa. you could, you know, I, uh, you know, like there, there are, there are quite a few. There are quite Definitely a few. Not, not necessarily the halachas, but that org is next level. Next level. What they are doing, what they are putting out there, even this is is I don't even I nonstop, nonstop. And I, I don't know if we said this, but everything that we're talking about and everything that we're doing tonight should be just of a complete, complete refushlema for Chava Gotabas Hanyachasya. Yes. And it should I mean, right now, immediately, 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 right now. Um, because I, mean, I just and the schos of everything that she does for this organization. It should happen right now. Amen. Amen. We should have only revealed good. We should only celebrate Simchas together. We Amen. should celebrate the Chutzos, Yerushalayim, Kal Sasan, Mikal Simcha, that everyone who needs to find their Bashar should find it easily. And we should have the ultimate wedding between Hashem and the Jewish people. And it should happen so soon. It should happen before Purim. I think it's a good time. It's a good time. We're ready. You can listen to this podcast live every Tuesday, mikvah.org forward slash Zoom from 8 to 9 p.m. as we hear from a variety of presenters. So please subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends, and help the audience grow. Looking forward to tuning in with you every Tuesday.